Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear my voice, you know what time it is. I won't be naive. Please. I'm John Brown. I'm joined by Jason Lawhead. This is Browner and Lawhead. And you're listening on the Mightier 1090 ESPN, ESPN Mightier 1090, coming to you Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. All the shows, all the fun has been archived in the iTunes podcast store under the Captain and Crew logo. Same thing for YouTube, where you will find this show, where you will see Jason's master's hat, because white people love to be called a master. He's at home. I'm at home. Thanks, COVID. Doing it digitally. What's up, Jason? What up, man? What up? Living, man. You know, yeah. Just another day, another another day in the craziness of uh, the world, the world of sports. It's a Tuesday. We- Can't believe it's almost June. It's insane. Time flies, man. We got a lot Dude. on the show. We got NBA coverage. Padres do it again, this time in extras. We got some OTA no-shows for all you football lovers out there. Who the hell are the Lakers going to hire eventually? We'll get to that. Josh Donaldson, in a reference to yesterday's stories, We got he got a one-game suspension. We may get into that. But I want to start talking about something that is a passion of mine. Okay? Mm-hmm. I love movies. Okay. At some point in my life, I'm I'm old. But at some point in my life, I, will, I would like to appear in a film, a Hollywood-produced film, okay? Not the ones made that you can only see on the internet. But I mean, and I don't mean Netflix either. I'm talking about legit. A studio release. There we go, okay? Not a porn studio, a regular right. studio. Right, a major studio release. Right, I want, I want Paramount. Dun, dun, dun. 20th Century Fox, Warner right. Brothers, Search something Light. like that. Some of those, any, any one of those people. I want to be in. I want to be in one of those movies. So I saw the trailer for Mission Impossible Seven, and that thing looks outstanding. Which led me to, to the question. Which got me to the question. What's the greatest movie franchise ever? Because for me. Bond. It's not really that big of a question. It's Mission Impossible. Ah, I think it's Bond. You, I think it's 007. So this yeah. is this is where the gloves get put on. How there has because two things have to happen. One, they have to have a lot of movies. It, it can't be three. Godfather was great. It fell off at the end. It was only three. The Matrix has four movies. The last two are subpar. So there's a lot. Like there's a lot that goes into this category. Fast and the Furious has, they're going up on their 10th movie. Um, yeah, but that's just becoming like, just that's just it's a running joke. Exactly. It's just a regurgitation. It's a, it's a money-making, it's, it's a money-making scheme. Right. It's a pyramid it's just, scheme of movies. That's what the Fast and Furious. That, they're going to make so many of those that at some point it's going to be self-driving. Fast <laughs> and the Furious 46 self-driving. Right. The Ford Mustang. <laughs> does it yeah. again. So for me, the, way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has rolled out, I don't count those as trilogies for one film. Because those are a bunch of films that then they all squeeze them into one and then they do a movie. So that that you got to take that out. I'm talking about... So Star Wars is obviously because yes. of the over the time and they've got what, nine or twelve of them. Right. With Star all Wars the, is in this category. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Fast and James Furious. Bond's in, in James Bond. Bond is in this. Um... I'm trying to give it up. Uh, the Harry Potter. 
I don't. Okay, all those like Lord of Rings, Harry Potter, they got a right. bunch of those, right? I never seen any Harry Potter movies, so I don't know what never they're seen like. a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter in my life. Can you? I just never have, and no, no interest. I, I, I gotta be honest. I've only seen a few of the Mission Impossible's. I, I can't tell you even which ones. One, one, three, maybe four, maybe one, two, and three only. One, three. I know one and three's in there. Maybe four. I think one, three, and four. I don't even think I've seen the second one. One through six is what I have seen. And the only one of the six that I have even the slightest discrepancy with, Mission Impossible 2. That's the only one where I'm like, wait, who who did Michael Bay direct this? Because this looks very Michael bay But other than that, and there was only a little bit I had a problem with. Every single one of the Mission Impossible movies are fantastic. They're fantastic. Jurassic Park is now reaching the same discussion because I think they're on their fourth, I think they're on their fifth movie. Fifth. This last one's going to be their fifth movie. So Jurassic Park is in this discussion. Nothing. Rocky had seven. Rocky's in this discussion. Nothing hits, because I would include I would include Creed in the Rocky Balboa. Uh, okay, that's eight then. So, so give me because it's two of those though, right? That's nine. So Rocky's got nine in this in 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 this stable. I'm taking the Mission Impossible seven movies. And I haven't even seen the seventh one. The trailer is probably better than some of these Rocky movies. Okay, give me Mission Impossible. Who you? Taking? I mean, yeah. I'm taking Bond. I've always been a Bond. I like. Oh, and the other one, uh, you could actually say. And I know you're saying like Marvel movies because there's a certain amount of different characters, but you could say Batman, um, Dark Knight, Batman slash the amount of movies that have been made, the amount of different versions that have been made where it keeps going. Uh, I guess that could be in there. And I love Batman. I don't watch. I've never seen an Avengers movie. I don't care about superhero movies. I do love Batman from my childhood. It's the only superhero movie i've ever seen i'm not a super i mean you know i saw the christopher reeve superman when i was a kid um but yeah i never saw any of these iron man none of that stuff gets me going really? none of the none of that stuff gets me known i'm not even much of a quote-unquote action movie fan i mean i like certain ones the ones that do it well i have liked some of the mission impossibles i've seen tom cruise i've always said Guy's great. Big fan of Tom Cruise. Um, not his uh, jumping on couches, Scientology, but as a performer, as an actor, Tom Cruise right. gets the job done. I'm telling you, a lot of people think Tom Cruise, dude, that guy can get on the big screen and deliver the goods time after time. And, and it doesn't matter. A young Tom Cruise that was taking on some more poignant, serious roles. Rain Man. I thought he should have won the Academy Award in Rain Man. Uh, he was an amazing transformation of that character. Uh, born on the 4th of July, he was nominated. I think the only Academy Award he won was a supporting actor for Magnolia. But this guy can get it done. As crazy and loopy as he is, and now he's pretty much just been kind of red, you know, regulated to being an, an action hero. Um, you know, with the Reacher and the Mission Impossible franchise, he's kind of just kind of gone into his twilight years of looking great, staying in shape, and being a action hero uh, that still sells a ton of tickets. 
And so I'm I'm probably going to watch this one for sure. I haven't seen the trailer. I'm excited to see it now that you're talking about it. But uh, I'm still going to go with Bond, man. I'm a I love uh, the Daniel Craig Bond. I've loved the Roger Moore Bond when I was a kid. I watched the old ones with Sean Connery. Uh, Pierce Bronson stunk. There's a few duds in there. Uh, but all in all, I just love the 007, the character, and as great as Mission Impossible does it. And the reason yeah, yeah, why, I mean, the reason why, I I don't because I like the, the James Bond movies too. I think the last four I've seen have been fantastic. Always good. The failure when it was Pierce Brosnan hurt them a lot. It hurt them a lot because they, they just wasn't good movies. They were not good movies. I don't even think I don't know if it was him or the way that they were they were written in that particular uh, uh, portion he, of time. Yeah, it was just a combination of both. I think, um, you know, everything has its ebbs and flows. Like right. that's that story got taken kind of just like, well, got made was so much. It was too slapsticky. Yeah, so for, and yeah, and, and that's just, why it Mission was a bad, Impossible. It was a bad marriage of directors, bonds, everything. So that's why Mission Impossible has it for me. Because when you get to Batman, because Batman's a great example. Superman, not so good because Superman movies are just grossly terrible they rely far too much on special effects so they struggle batman michael keaton's batman fantastic Amazing. the first batman the second batman it got too cartoony got too loopy then, no the first two were good the first two were keaton they were good even with the penguin the second one was good man Catwoman, penguin. but when they went into joe val kilmer and george clooney it, it, it went off the rails right. for a few of those it got it got but a, then it christian got bale cartoony. got it back Right. Chris Nolan and Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale got that franchise back on its feet. Because the one with Mr. Freeze and Jim Carrey, Ugh. and I love Jim Carrey, but come well, he on, was a man. great Riddler. Because those think... other characters, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that was embarrassing. Mr. I mean, Freeze, those were, uh, those were embarrassing. And who was Poison was Ivy? I can't remember who played Poison Ivy. Um, uh, Drew Barrymore. Just... No. Yeah, no, it was, and then it uh, Chris Christopher O'Donnell came in as Rob, and I mean it was just bad. Terrible. I mean it, it was just bad. It was terrible. And so Mission Impossible never had that fall off. Never had that fall off. The only window was on Mission Impossible 2 where I was, there's some scenes in there where you go, ah, what's happening here? And I think that's the one early one I didn't see because I heard it wasn't that good. So I was kind of like, ah, well, the sequels are never better. But then I, as I, I think I caught, I, and I think Mission Impossible 1 the only ever, one I've ever seen on the big screen. Can you believe that? And if I've caught any of the other ones, it's been on HBO, like in you know, my apartment, having a movie channel or something or, or renting it or or watching it on a plane. But I think the Mission Impossible one is probably the only one. Whereas I saw Dark Knight four times in the theater. That's how big of a loser I am. What will make me always go to see Tom Cruise movies? And, and I don't again, the other stuff, I don't care. He ain't hurting nobody. He's just praising people and crazy is crazy. There's all types of crazy. There is no person in the movie business that makes better in theater films than Tom Cruise. It's not even close. It's not really? even close. Any movie he does, I don't wait to see it. I go see it, even when he redid The Mummy. Are you going to go see Top Gun? Yes, and I don't even care about that. But I know yeah. the movie, the, he cares about the in-movie experience more than any actor that I think I can even 
remember. Because it used to be, to me, Will Smith was like that. The big screen appeal of what the movie is means something to that person. But no one is better at that than Tom Cruise. No one. No one. And I and I had that in my craw when I saw that, that trailer. I, I stood up and watched it. I was like, what in the world? So you got to check it out. But you need to see. I'm going to check it out at a commercial break. I'm going to check it out. You need to see Mission Impossible 6 to understand some of the characters in Mission Impossible 7 because it's, it's, it's. I think I did. Like, is it, Mission Impossible 6. Which the one? What's the one with Paul Giamatti? That's five. Okay. So that might have been the last one I saw was five. Okay. So I think I've seen one, three, four, and five, and I haven't seen two and six. That's what I don't think I've seen. Six is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Okay. I'm going to have to go check it out. Because so, five was good. Five was yeah, really good. Yeah, I liked five. I loved cruising five. I was like, that's the one. That was the movie that made me go, man. This guy has not just like, and he quietly re kind of rebranded himself. It wasn't this. Uh, Tom Cruise's career has sunk. He's got to go into this rebrand type of a thing, and he and he's done these kind of films at, at like you said the highest big screen yes. level like where you see some of those guys and it's sad because you know like bruce willis went into Just the action checks. hero but it was like it was straight to dvd projects mm -hmm. really sad stuff that he was bringing the to the table yeah just you know bad yeah just some just eventually just kind of th that was just kind of a, a put out to pasture almost whereas tom cruise has just re-upped his game not rebranded mm -hmm. it but now this you know and he's not even really pigeonholed into being the action hero because he does it so well he likes and everybody it. buys tickets and he's great at it and like you said he takes it so seriously like there was some stories like when they were filming movies in covid you know he went this, this was guy, the movie this was yeah, the movie right exactly but this guy it, like he said he expects everybody to want that experience for you and i on the screen to, to be as 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 worthy and valuable as he believes it should be mm -hmm. and he's like that obsessed about everything but he puts out such great entertainment and as nutty as he is i've always been a fan i've always been a guy my wife kind of makes fun of me when we first met she's like you like tom Cruise? i'm like i think he's great i i mean i wouldn't go sit on a couch and, and listen to him ramble about scientology i wouldn't, I wouldn't have a beer i'll sit him. in a theater for two hours right. And 35 minutes and watch that dude do his thing <laughs> Pretend all day to long. be somebody else any day of the week. Yeah, man. He's great. Uh, so the idea that we were going to expect something different from last night's basketball game really made me save this for the second. Like, we've got mm. six minutes on this, and it's mm -hmm. the game was and That's disgusting. all this game yeah. needs. That's all this game, the game needs. Was disgusting. Did, I don't know if it deserves six minutes. I don't I I don't know what it was expect. over in the first three. It, it was 18 to one. It, it I I don't know what the NBA looks at this series and, and how it is reflected on people in the front office. I don't because the ratings are up. People are watching this, but I think people are watching this because they're getting large market shares from these markets that have large fan bases. All right. of Boston is watching. Miami, Boston, all of Boston. So, almost all, all of, of Boston, all of Boston. Listen, let me tell you something. You better been up northeast. All of Boston, all of Connecticut, all of New Hampshire, yes, all of Maine, all of Vermont. They're all watching that. They and are the all people, diehard Celtics. Fans. And the people who left that place to go live in Florida are all watching it in in Florida, right? And the whole state of Florida is watching it as so, well. 
So and the, guess who else is watching it? Because they're involved in it. The West San Coast. Francisco, uh, Golden State fans. Then so the so Northern California, Dallas fans. Dallas now they may have started tuning out even on their own team now. But though I mean, so yeah, and you got the NBA fans. But so they're the, being disappointed. They're heavily being disappointed. The numbers, the numbers bear out greatly for the NBA because the large markets are watching it, watching these games. If this was Oklahoma City and and Denver, it'd be in the toilet. It really would. But because of the franchises that are playing, you're getting eyeballs on it. And the players The as arenas well. would be amazing inside the arenas of those two games. Yeah, Denver and OKC ever got into a Western Finals. The, inside the buildings of those places, you would Nuts. think it would be record uh, uh, television ratings, but you're right. They would be in the toilet. So it, the idea that uh, these games are being watched and enjoyed, that's, that's just not true. Like, these are bad games. Like, last bad. night, that was a bad game. This is the third straight bad game in this series. And I mean, like, bad, bad. Like, I can't watch this. You can't watch game two because it was over at halftime. Game three was over at the first quarter. And game four was over in the first quarter. So, I attrition, injuries, blame it on what you want. But if game five is anything like the two, three, and four, I'm out. I don't care. I'll see, yeah. you, I'll see whoever wins in the finals. Because last night was unwatchable. It was pathetic that the Miami Heat starting five were outscored by a single bench player off their own damn team. Victor Oladipo's 23 points were worth more than all five starters. And that's why the way that this is shucking out, if no one on Golden State gets hurt or suspended, looking at you, Draymond, I don't see how either of these two teams can beat Golden State. I, I don't see no. it. I don't see it. I mean, I the only thing I could see the only way I see Golden State going down is uh, Boston would have home court, correct? Do they have the better record? Yes, I think Boston yes. has the better record. So Boston would have home court. And and I think, if anything, a, a, a healthy Celtics, they would need definitely need Marcus Smart for all seven games. But I think for in, in some instance, they, they feel – I feel like there's a broader, better matchup between Boston, you know, just – from starters to bench to just some of the individual matchups that you see that you might be able to exploit. Now, I still think Golden State is a better team and would still win that series, but I only say that because before this series, I even said, like, we did the Brown list and we did the checkboxes, and I had more checkboxes for Miami uh, in certain just, you know, off the top what I think right now, but I think I took Boston in seven because something just felt – felt there's just something about Boston in some key matchups that I just kind of lean towards. And I think if you look at it right now in these, in what is it? Four games, that's 16 quarters. The heat have only outscored the, the, the Celtics three of those 16 quarters yet. They're in the two, two series. So it feels like Boston should be up three, one. Um, and so I think Boston obviously would give, I think a better chance with that home crowd in Boston with some of the individual matchups, possible exploit, possible, you know, a, a Tatum and a Brown play above here, whereas maybe a Wiggins and a Poole come down. But I still think that's not going to happen. I, I like Golden State to kind of I, – I, I took them in six only kind of to be nice because I thought Luka was, you know, maybe just, you know, a, a bit too hot to get swept. But I, I almost feel like 
this is going to be a sweep and the next one's it's not going to be a fun series and the NBA is going to quickly move on to next season and hope things get better with coaching positions and players and places and teams and places. And, uh, yeah, I think this one's going to be, and I think we're going to just be going, okay, when's this thing over on our watch in the next couple of weeks? I think that I think you are 100% accurate in what's about to happen. I think the Warriors are probably going to win this either in five. I, I'm, I believe they're going to sweep them tonight because when I heard Luka Doncic come out and say, hey, man, I'm only 23, that's a sign of defeat. And when I watched Jason Kidd go to the podium and say, hey, man, this is a young team. This season has been a success. Bro, you still got another game to play. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think they're done tonight. And however it shakes sure. out in the Eastern Conference, I think that will probably be four, six at the max. Foregone conclusion. Yes. Yeah. And I think the NBA, I think this is going to be a very high-level rumor mill NBA offseason because the NBA always finds a way to have their offseason be far more entertaining than the large portions of its regular season and sometimes its finals when the finals shake out like this. Like, there'll be a storyline about Steph Curry and the Warriors dynasty after this, but what from this can we take other than the Warriors were the best team of the season? Will probably be nothing, but we got more when we come back. Brown and Lawhead, Mightier 1090 ESPN. Brown and Lawhead, Mightier 1090 ESPN. Mm-hmm. ESPN, mm-hmm. Mightier 1090. We are back in the building Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7, on your radio, on your iPhone, Google phone, any phone, as long as you have the Google Store or the iTunes Podcast Store. Under Kaplan and Crew. We're also in YouTube, Under Kaplan and Crew, Great Friends Podcast Network. I'm John Brown, as always, joined by the excited Jason Lawhead after watching the Mission Impossible 7 trailer during the commercial break. Are he ready to go to the theater right now? Right? Right now. Right now. And by the way, I want to tell everybody that I was wrong. The Warriors have a, are a game better than the Celtics. So the Warriors will have home oh boy. court and that that thing will be over in five for sure oh boy um the padres have found a way once again to win last night it was an extra innings uh bases loaded they they get they get a nice little single bloop single i mean i, I would call it a bloop single but right in between center and second second base this team is they're winning in ways where i again this is my calling card to a world series championship Pitch your way to the title. Not bitch your way, pitch your way to the title. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think that's what they're doing. The idea that they have seven starters to me is what separates them from even the Dodgers at this point. Because the Dodgers are all offense. The Dodgers are all right. offense. When you get good pitching, so you're talking about they got a good bullpen. Dodgers got a good they bullpen. They do have a very good bullpen. I, they, and that's that keeps the runs allowed down. So yes. they make up for, you know, they, 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 they hit teams out of the – you're right. But they do have a good bullpen, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's 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 their big strength when it comes to their arms. So um, they're going to get they're gonna get those wins through their pitching staff somehow a lot of times, L.A., and it's going to be through their bullpen often because they're going to hit their way into the bullpen having the lead. And then that bullpen is strong enough to close out games. It's going to be paramount for the Padres to maintain their health and to find clutch hitting like they did last night. I thought one of the fe- one of the feature points in this season has been yes, Manny Machado has been unbelievable. But when you look at how they're winning these game winning hits, the you get a hit here, you get a hit there, a guy hits a homer here, these three to two games, these two to one games, these four to three games. 
He's not dominating in those games. There's a different right. guy coming up with a clutch hit here, coming up with a clutch here, there, similar to last night. And I think that is the success. That's the recipe for success in the baseball season. This isn't basketball where LeBron or KD or 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 uh, uh, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. These guys have to make shots. This isn't a situation where you are totally dependent on Steph Curry because you know he's going to take the last shot. The guy with the bat in his hands is the most important guy that you're dealing with at that particular time. And last night was a different guy because Manny had a chance. Runners on first and third, uh, bottom of the ninth, two outs, popped up. Next inning, the guy gets mm -hmm. it done. So they're winning in ways of baseball that I want my team winning because I know that the pitching success is sustainable regardless of who you face. Winning 8-10, to 10, winning 7-8, to eight, that doesn't impress me because anybody can do that. And that's the quickest thing that the, the bottom can fall out of. Unless pitchers get hurt, right. they don't just lose it. And if the, if I'm the Padres, my main focus is don't even worry about the Dodgers. They're going to win 100. Whether we win 100 or 90 or 80, it's separating yourself from the Giants, which they're starting to do. They're six, almost six games ahead of the Giants. It's, it's maintaining that play, like you said, maintaining the way you're winning with guys stepping up, pitching being consistent. You're getting a great managing out of Bob Melvin. And Bob Melvin has seen this kind of picture before, right? In the American League West, it wasn't always worry about the Astros, you know, or when it was the Rangers, when they had their, you know, their run. It wasn't worry about the Rangers. It was, you know, finish second in Oakland. Win 95 to 100. And if you do pull out the division, great. But don't worry who's at the top of it. Worry about separating yourself from that other good team, whether it's the, the Angels that year or the Rangers that year or the Mariners that year. And it's always the Astros on top. So, so they're in a, you know, Bob Melvin's in a similar situation, how the Astros have dominated the West in the American League. And he always had to kind of claw up and to stay underneath the, the, them. He, he's got that same project here. And I think it's a big fit. And you look over at the American League West now and you look at the Oakland A's who are always, you know, you know, they get off the slow starts, obviously, but they're in last place, which is uncharted waters from them. So it's kind of interesting how big of a difference a really good manager that has the feel for a ball club, a division, his opponents can really change how, how a team just goes about their week, their two weeks their month mm -hmm. and that's the culture that's changing you're seeing a lot of eight and twos and seven and threes in the last 10 you're seeing a winning record over a, a chunk of time you're seeing the winning percentage getting better so good months good weeks turn into good months um and yeah that's where this padre team is gonna that's their identity is how they won how they how they won on that road trip and how they came home last night and won that is their identity let the let the dodgers you know, beat some teams into submission and um, come out September, October, I think be the more diverse team, be the team that, you know, has the ability to win a lot of different ways and has tasted that uh, way to win all those different ways in these months that they're playing. So uh, you got to love where these guys are at. Blake Snell on the mound tonight. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what, what are we uh, in about five minutes? Uh, mm -hmm. Day game tomorrow with, with uh, Darvish, a mm -hmm. one o'clock game. So Blake Snell again against up, up against the Bruce tonight. So so let's let's again let's get another one just like the other one, baby. Win, mm -hmm. win, win. 
Uh, yesterday we talked about a, a subject that proved to be a far more controversial than I originally had absorbed that information. If Josh Donaldson was suspended a game for his comments made towards Tim Anderson by calling him Jackie, if you are a listener of the show, you heard this. If you are an intaker of sports news, you heard this. Uh, if you if you don't know what the situation is, head over to the iTunes podcast store or the uh, 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 YouTube and look at the show that we did yesterday. And I'll give you a small synopsis of, of, of this as well. Josh Donaldson called Tim Anderson Jackie. Hey, Jackie is a reference to Jackie Robinson in which Tim Anderson, who, by the way, said they're not friends. Josh Donaldson said that they are. Tim Anderson said that they're not. And said that he made this reference as a joke. Um, this was deemed as racist by a lot of people who heard it. And Doug Glanville, of all people, by the way, Doug Glanville, an astute man, a very smart person, had been the only black guy in a bunch of dugouts. And this is him saying, this isn't me. I, I, I listened to this interview mm-hmm. that he conducted with a station in Chicago, um, uh, uh, and, and which he said that a lot of times he found himself in baseball dugouts and in baseball clubhouses simply trying to educate ignorant people on black culture. He would not say this person's name. But he said he had a person, and when he was playing for Team USA, which ain't that long ago, come up to him and say, man, I don't know what it is about your people. Why are you guys so lazy? And he said he he had to take a step back and go, wait, who are you talking about? Black people? And then he he said he had to educate this person because that person just didn't know because these are 17, 18-year-old guys. These are 23, 24-year-old guys. They've never been exposed to the level of black culture that baseball, I mean, baseball doesn't, baseball just doesn't have it. So if you're in baseball travel circles, you're not seeing a lot of black kids. This isn't football. This isn't 707 football camp. No. This isn't it, AAU it used basketball. To be. It used to be. It used to be. But now, yeah, the numbers are down huge dramatically in the last 25, 30 years of, of young black kids playing basketball or so, uh, baseball because they're playing basketball and football. Right, I, and I didn't take I, again. I didn't take the comments as as racially uh, uh, provoking as Tim Anderson did because they were not said to me, and I wasn't the, the context didn't fit, and the, my relationship with the person did not exist. And you don't know the reputation of Josh Donaldson throughout right. the league and what have others have right. said. And we talked about this yesterday because you posed it to me, and I kind of was like in that gray area of like, well, I really don't. I mean, he and I made that joke. It's like Smollett versus the mullet. Now right. is. Is is Anderson overreacting or is is Donaldson exactly what everybody is kind of describing? The D-bag that probably is racist. And, uh, you know, we joked about, you know, his haircut looking like he, he stormed the Capitol January 6th. So, um, yeah, I mean, the more that comes out. But I, I still feel like it's it's kind of one of those things like, well, you suspended him for one game in a 162-game season. How... How bad could it have been? How bad or how deep or how racist is saying, okay, Jackie, to somebody that called themselves Jackie, and you couldn't wait to tell him that. You couldn't wait. And and that's probably really at the deep, deep thread is the fibers of his racism was probably the thing that at one point, I can't wait to tell him this. I can't wait to say this to him. And there was no better time than that little infraction or that play at that time. Um, you know, so... That being said, I think the league probably just 
handed this suspension down as an as an assumptive this is probably racist because it came from donaldson right so anderson like like let's not let this let's throw the game at him because he really didn't say a slur and you know we can't have that side of the divisive part of you know Who's going to support, you know, you throw out a five game suspension, the Fox nation, everybody's coming with an opinion hard and it's going to be a week long of, can you believe the woke baseball that is because so give him a game, satisfy Anderson, let him know that we know it's an, it's almost like it's this assumptive suspension. Like you get what you want. We understand that it was probably bred out of this kind of context. Josh, this what is one it? game in 162. You're not going to flip out about it. Uh, you know, there isn't enough games piled up to make, you know, whoever's going to side with Josh Donaldson and make all the noise for him uh, loud. And this is enough to satisfy Anderson. I just think that that's what this was. I thought that what bothered me about it, and, and it, it wasn't, the comment between the two people it's the idea that so many people rush to his defense and they may not know josh donaldson some of the people who i saw speak in his defense on sports radio stations i'm talking about these are people who host shows people who work in sports media on television whether it be writers or commentators talking heads as they're referred to as the amount of people white people who rushed to this man's defense to how to tell Tim Anderson not to be offended. That's the part about it that, that bothered me. You can't tell a person how not to feel or how to feel when it comes to racial comments. You just can't cause you don't know their experience. And I, and, and I think I got more, uh, uh, frustrated with the public comments of defense for this man who is a jerk. Everyone knows he's a jerk. And like you said, anyone else would have said that to him. It would have probably been laughed off and rolled off the guy's back. But this guy who has other intentions behind the word upset Tim Anderson and therefore upset people who believe that what he said was racist. And so for so many people on television and so many people to rush to this man's defense, Josh Donaldson's defense, I just didn't feel good about it. I really didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a I think there was a so just from some of the reactions I saw, I think I think there was kind of a a, a flow of obviously the people that are going to be staunch about the defense of Josh Donaldson. And then there's some other people that are just kind of going, wow, that's kind of it's just kind of a strange, um, isolated thing to suspend somebody over and say right. that it was racist. I just think there's a lot of people, just thinkers, that are like, really? Now that's racist? Because, you know, that's something, you know, even like I said, even if it was from the fibers of Josh Donaldson and he couldn't wait to get it out, to be suspended for, okay, Jackie, right? For that now. Had Tim Anderson never said or likened himself or compared himself to Jackie Robinson, 
it's, it sounds pretty racist then. Okay, Jackie, like calling a guy a boy almost. Pretty right? much, yeah. Right? Like you would kind of say something like, okay, like you think, like who you think you are, you uppity, whatever, right? right. Like that would kind of come from that part. But on the flip side of that other coin, since he likened himself to it, in certain areas of sport and gamesmanship and just a guy being a D-bag competitor, a black guy could have said that to Tim Anderson in the same respect, you know, and, and you know that in just smack talking, the back and forth of the game, type of yeah. stuff. Abs- abs- oh, 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 and and that a, pre- a loud type of Draymond Green type of baseball character. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm just saying, you know, so it could be a bang bang play at short where he slides in, and uh, Anderson makes the tag, blah blah blah, and, and there's some words go, oh, whatever, get out of my face, Jackie, like you know. And then all of a sudden, it's just something said. Now, like I said, back to the fibers at Donaldson, it, it came through probably different channels and surface, sure. But it's a hard, you know, it's almost like the league's going, oh, God, we got to do this now? Really? Yeah, now we got to do this. Again. We got to do this. We got a guy. We got to do a game for this because of this. This guy said this first, and then this guy said this. We got to interpret all this, and we got to interpret what he said when he's liking himself to Jackie. We got to interpret what this guy said. Now, a lot of people think uh, before any of this happened, a lot of people think he's a real cocky guy, right? Like he's got the label of being a cocky, you know, arrogant type of a a ball player, which we've seen a million of those, black, white, and and Dominican and everything else in the history of baseball. That's not – but then you got this other guy who's – considered a real d-bag and 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 has historically you know ruffled feathers in his own clubhouses let alone guys that he's played against so uh it's one of those like oh god really do we have to it's like and so this goes like, kind of like two karens fighting in the parking lot this goes and so this that was just us capping off and paying off because we didn't the suspension hadn't come down by the time we had discussed right. the story so that's us just kind of letting you know the the other end of the story in case you guys hadn't caught it uh as we close out today, mm-hmm. I want people, Laker fans, it's not personal, okay? No one wants the job. Mm-mm. No one of influence wants the job. No. So if you are looking for the next Laker head coach that's not a first-time coach but also has cachet, you're not going to poach a guy with the job. The fact that I think the Lakers head coaching search is in trouble is because they tried to get Juwan Howard or they tried to interview because you interview with the intent of hiring. Juwan Mm -hmm. Howard from the University of Michigan. They didn't even do their research enough to know that this man is about to have two of his own children playing at Michigan. Basketball. The sport he coaches, his two sons at the school he went and played two Final Fours in. Hit this his alma mater that he rolled helped rise to basketball glory. Now coaching and successfully coaching, also about to have his two children come play for him, which could be one of the more proudest moments a father could possibly have. And he's gonna leave that. To coach the Lakers, a place with no job security, an unstable front office, and a team that you really don't know if they're even going to contend next year? 
for less for either equal or around about same amount of money he's making now. What? I thought that the look, the Lakers are one of the fran- cornerstone franchises of the NBA and quite possibly sports. But if you're if you don't even have the common sense to do your background research before you even let that get out, they're in trouble. They really are. Well, and this is what like you know this is typical businesses being run by the kids yes. of the people that created it. This is just an out of touch. Bring him, bring me Jawan Howard. It's like like they believe. Bring me Jawan Howard. Like what? Like Jawan Howard needed to open slap Genie Bus, Rob Lincoln, all these guys that just bring me Jawan Howard. Bring me this next guy. Bring me Frank. Bo-. It's like can't you see that you guys literally created? I mean, literally, there's nothing more literal than a no-win situation because a guy that won a championship, you fired him. I mean, this is literally, there's never been a more no-win situation type of no-win situation that fits this phrase than this Laker job currently right now who nobody wants it. Nobody wants that job. And even if Juwan Howard didn't have two kids going to Michigan, he'd probably still say, come on. You want me to go coach LeBron, Westbrook, and AD in a gangle of whatever else you can throw uh, together at the lowest uh, salary cap hit? What? These guys are a year older from a debacle? You kidding me? I was right. Yeah, I went to the final four. I mean, what? I, 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 it just, it leaves me flabbergasted at who is actually in charge. Jeannie had a huge printout in the, in the LA Times. There's been, there's so many negative stories coming out of the Lakers. And this one just adds to the bunch. We'll probably have another one tomorrow. Hopefully we will because then we'll have something to talk about because content is king, baby. For Jason Lawhead, I'm John Browner, Mightier 1090 ESPN. Like, share, and subscribe. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace.